Please turn with me in your scriptures to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, 1 to 11. That choir was amazing. So thank you so much to Jody and to everyone else that helped out. That was incredible. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. There's a phrase that you'll sometimes hear people say, often in a joking manner, But they'll say something like, soccer is life, or football is life, or if you're dating someone, you're like, that person is life. I've really been enjoying disc golf recently. Um, Some of you might know what that is. It's kind of like golf, but instead of clubs and a golf ball and trying to hit the ball into the hole, you have these discs, kind of like little frisbees. And you have to try and throw the discs and get them to hit these chains and fall into a basket. And because I've been getting more into it recently, I've been trying to learn how to improve, how to improve my form so I can get further distance in my throws. Um, and I was looking online, and I saw this post from this, uh, from this gentleman who, who said that he had just started getting into disc golf back in June. And he quickly fell in love with the sport, and was obsessed with it and wanted to try and learn more and more about how to improve his form, how to be able to get better at it. And in this post, he said this. He said, not an hour goes by without him thinking about something relating to his form. Not an hour goes by. For this man, disc golf is life. There could be many things, pursuits in life that could be tempting to hold them up as everything to us, people, sports, all sorts of different pursuits, and these things can be our lives. They can be everything. But in our passage this morning, we get a powerful reminder that if you have been saved by Jesus, Jesus is your life. Jesus is your life, and that changes everything. But we'll see that even if we are in Christ, sometimes we can forget 
that Jesus is our life. We can lose sight that we are in him. We can forget that we're alive and we want to return to living, back to living for things that we used to live for, things that were a part of our old lives. Look at verses 1 to 4 again in Colossians 3. If you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Right? We see there in verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. If God has reached down and saved you through Jesus, if you have responded in faith to him, you have this new identity of being in Christ, and Christ is in you. Before Christ, maybe you were the, the hockey guy, or and hockey was life, or maybe work was life. But in this new life in Christ, Jesus is our life. We have a new identity. And one aspect of our new identity is that we are in Christ and he is in us. There is no separating us. He is in you and you are in him. When Jesus died on the cross, because you are in Christ, God counts your sins as belonging to Jesus so that he suffered and died for you. Is Jesus your life this morning? Is he everything? Do you love him, long to please him, long to grow in him? Throughout our passage, we see characteristics of someone whose life is Jesus. And we see first off that in Christ, you are alive. If Jesus is your life, you are alive. Right, verse 1, we see that there. If you have been raised with Christ... After Jesus was crucified and killed, he didn't stay dead, but he rose. So if Christ is your life, you worship a Savior who is alive, who is living. And if you have been raised with him, that means, if you are in Christ, that means you have also been raised in him. You are alive. This connects well back to uh, Colossians 2, verse 13. If you want to look back there with me. And you who were dead in your trespasses... And the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Okay, we were once dead in our sins. Our sins controlled us. Satan had power over us. We were a part of the, the domain of darkness. The light of Christ was not a part of us. We were dead in our sins, totally unable to have a relationship with the Father, Unable to be called his children. But we were made alive because of the grace of Jesus. If we are in Jesus, if Jesus is your life, that means you have been raised with him. Raised up with Jesus. In, in John chapter 11, we get the well-known story of Lazarus. He was a friend of, of Jesus, someone that loved Jesus very much that Jesus loved very much. And Lazarus ends up dying, and then Jesus gets to Lazarus' tomb. 
four days later. And when Jesus gets there, Martha is trying to tell Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, Lazarus is very dead. He's been dead for four days. He smells. Then Jesus says, open the tomb. And he prays to the Father. And then with a loud voice, he cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And then it says in John eleven forty four, the man who had died came out. He, was, he had died. He was dead. He was made alive and he came out. He didn't stay in the tomb because he, he was now alive. He came walking out. He didn't lay in that dirty, smelly tomb just lying there. But instead he walked out into the sunlight. He started walking, talking, doing things that people who are alive do. If we are raised with Christ, if we have been made alive together with Jesus, we are called to live like someone who is alive. We're told by Paul to seek things that are above, to set our minds on things that are above. It means our pursuits look different. Right? When we were dead in our sins, our, our pursuits were, were self-focused, pursuing things that made us happy, that we're trying to fulfill ourselves apart from Christ, indulging ourselves, chasing after things that the flesh wants. But when Christ is our, alive, our life and we have been made alive with him, our pursuits now should be in alignment with the things of Jesus, with the things of eternal value. Aiken and uh, Pace, in their commentary on Colossians, they say this. He, Paul, is challenging the Colossians to reorient their lives toward the heavenly reality that is already theirs through their authentic union with Christ. Right? Because Christ has saved us, we have union with him. We are in him. He is in us. And Paul is calling us to have our pursuits, our thoughts, to be in alignment with our identity in Christ. It changes what's important to us. What used to be, you know, pursuing things that would bring us happiness, now we pursue things that brings joy to Christ. Pursuing things that are of eternal value, pushing aside what we want, putting the needs of others before our own. Going out into the world, making known the good news of Christ. To seek things that are above. And, and to do that looks like what, Matt, what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 20, 33. Where Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When Jesus is our life, that means we are made alive. And we want to live like people who are alive. Our perspective changes. Our pursuits change. Jesus is transforming our hearts and minds. Bringing us closer and closer to him. We are seeking the kingdom of God, seeking his righteousness. If Jesus is our life, we are made alive. And we are being encouraged to live like someone who is alive in Christ. But not only are we currently alive in Christ, we see from Paul that if Jesus is our life, we will always be alive in him. Nothing can take that away. We are secure. Look at verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ 
in God. My, my sons are a big fan of hide and seek. They could play hide and seek for hours. But when we play, the person who is hiding is, is not often hidden for very long. Um, I don't know how this started, but what will often happen is that I'll, I'll go and hide, and the boys will come look for me. And then after about five seconds of, of looking really intently, they've just decided that there's no way they could find me. So what they do is that they'll shout out, Marco, and then I'll inevitably respond with Polo, and then they'll find me right away. And then when they're hiding and I go look for them, after about five seconds of looking, I'll hear them squeal with excitement, so I'll be able to, to find them really quick. But before Christ saved us, we were dead in our sins, we were hiding from God, Christ, but as we were hiding from God, but Christ found us. Not because we yelled polo, out of nothing we could do, nothing we could bring, but because of his grace, God reached down and saved us through Christ, found us hiding, found us deep in our sin, and made us alive. And now that we are alive in Christ, uh, Christ is our life, we are, we are hidden with Christ. We are secure. Death cannot find us. The power of death has no hold on us anymore. We are hidden with Christ. Even when our, our bodies die and pass away, we will have life eternal with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. Right? Death can yell Marco all he wants, but no polo is going to be heard. The power of Satan has no hold on us anymore. Satan cannot find us in order to have ruling authority over us anymore. Satan no longer steers our ship, no longer has ruling influence on our lives. The world can't conquer us anymore, although it tries. We can be tempted to keep our minds on the things of this earth, the things below, instead of, of focusing on things that are of worldly value. Or we can be wanting to focus on things that are of worldly value, to focus on things like money or nicer cars, bigger houses. But while we can be tempted and can struggle to set our minds on things that are above, we know that the world has also been conquered by Christ. We are in him, we are hidden in him. And the world no longer has ruling control over us either. And when Jesus returns... And we will appear with him in glory. The things of this world will fade away. The things that we once thought had so much value, so much worth, will be gone. Instead, we will ultimately be with Christ, be with God in the new heavens and the new earth for all of eternity. Jesus is your life and you are hidden with him. Death has no hold on you anymore. The enemy has no power over you. Sin doesn't have to live in you anymore. The things of this world will, will fade away, but you will remain because you are hidden with Christ. Jesus has you right now. You are in him. He is in you. And he will continue to have you until you appear with him in glory. And think of the, the rest that that gives us the security that that gives us. 
We can set our minds on things above. We can live like we are alive, not because of our own moral attempts, not because of our own effort by trying really hard, but because we are united with him, with Christ. We are hidden with him. But we see an interesting transition in our passage. We saw that how we are raised with Jesus, we're made alive, we're secure in him. But we see that when Jesus is your life, it also means dying. And that might seem a little strange, right? We're, We're raised with Christ, we're made alive. We are called to live like people who are alive. And we're secure in that. But Paul's getting across to us the fact that in this 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 life where we are alive in Christ, a life that has been made new, it means dying. At the start of verse 3 there again, we see, for you have died. We see that in Christ we have died. Because we're united with, with Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, it is like we died with him. We died to our old life. Our old life is gone away. And when Christ rose, we rose with him. So if you were in Christ, that dying already happened. Right? You died to your old life. But Paul isn't just talking about a dying that has happened in the past. He goes on to talk about a dying that takes place regularly in the life of a believer. Look at verses 5 to 10 again with me. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So while we are to set our minds on on things above, there are still earthly things present, earthly things of our flesh present in our lives because we are sinners. Things from our old life, while they don't rule us anymore, they still want to show their face. Sexual immorality, sexual thoughts, porn, lust, desiring evil things, things that God has called not good. Things like anger, gross talk, bad jokes, lying to one another. These are all things that used to rule us used to be normal for us used to be our go-to's things that we would go to regularly but now that we have been raised with christ made alive now that jesus is our life we are not to walk in those things anymore we see this reminder several times from paul and he says things like "In, in these things you once walked but now you must put them away And then again in verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. We are to put these things off, cast them aside, throw them away. 
that when Jesus is your life, we are to stop living, acting like dead people. We are to not live in the same way that we used to live before we were united with Jesus. Right? We, we used to walk in that way, but not anymore. And we see these really active words, right, of, of casting these things aside. Um, put them away. Put off the old self. But we also even see these more extreme words to describe casting these things aside, right? Paul tells us to put these sins to death. This isn't a kind of casual throwing aside, like you're taking off your sweater and casually throwing it onto the couch. This, this is a casting aside that is extreme, radical, serious. And I think Paul is very right in using this strong call, these extreme words to describe our fight with sin because how often can we start to view our sins as not that serious? It's not a big deal. People around us are doing them. I just want to fit in. No, it's not going to hurt anybody. I'll do it now, but I'll be able to control it. I'll be able to stop it later. It'll be okay. Or, you know, what, what does it matter if my thoughts are immoral? It's, it's kind of all in my head. It's not going to hurt anyone or affect anyone. I just, I was in a bad situation. I needed to lie to get out of it, but that situation's done, so I'll be okay now. Or just things were really piling up. It was just a really stressful time. So um, that's why I kind of got really angry and yelled. It wasn't really my fault. Now that the situation's over, it'll be okay. Paul starts out the list of, of things that we are to put to death by listing several sexually immoral sins. And, and those were a struggle for the church back in Paul's day. And it was it's definitely a struggle for the church today. Because sexual sin can so often be seen by the world around us as okay and, and even celebrated. It's seen as an expression of being true to yourself or doing whatever feels right or living out your truth. And because it's everywhere around us, celebrated everywhere around us, it can start to bleed into our thinking, into our hearts. It can start to seem normal to do these things, to not, maybe not even realize that we're doing these things. Because of our temptation to live like we used to, to go back to living like dead people, Paul is calling us to action, to extreme action. Paul shows us how serious this is. If you were raised with Christ, Jesus is your life, you are to set your mind on things above. You once walked in these things, but now you must cast them aside, put them to death. This is serious, and you need to take extreme measures. This isn't casual. This isn't like no big deal. This is serious. But again, this isn't a, a fight, a putting to death that comes from our own effort, our own strength. Yes, we are to fight. We are to work really hard. We are to strain to put these things to death. But as Douglas Moo puts it in his commentary on Colossians, it's a call to respond to and cooperate with the transformative power that is already operative within us. When Jesus is your life, when you have been raised with him, you are united with him. 
You are hidden with him. He is working in you to bring you closer and closer to himself. And by working hard at putting these sins to death in us, we are, we're responding to, we're cooperating with the transformative power of Jesus living in us. That he's already working within us. We are relying on Jesus. We're turning to him for strength. Trusting in his promises. Wanting to follow him because we love him. We're looking forward to being with him in glory. We're welcoming him to change us, transform us. Asking the Holy Spirit to, to fill us, to point us to Christ. Tim Challies in his book, Visual Theology, he summarizes some material from John Owen, who wrote about what it looks like to put sin to death. And gives some helpful steps to start putting sin to death in our lives. First of all, we need to identify sins that we are struggling with. Sins that we need to put to death. To be specific, not just to say, oh, well, we're all sinners, we all sin. But to be specific and think through the specific sins that we struggle with. To think through if these sins are are deep-rooted, if we've been struggling with them for a while. Next step is to fill to fill our minds with the guilt, the weight, and the evil of our sin. To know how serious it is, how serious the consequences are. Next, we long for deliverance. Long to have God take away these sins from us. Long to have these sins put to death. Not because we just want to follow the rules. Not because we want to look good in front of other people, but because Jesus is our life and we want to please him. We want these to be gone from our lives. And then fourthly, to contemplate. To think about times where we may be most prone to sin. Think about maybe things in our past or our makeup that make us more prone to certain sins. And start to come up with a plan, strategies where you can take radical action against your sin. And the next, to battle, to fight, to commit to fighting sin through the Lord's help in your life. Don't play with your sin. Don't give it a hold. Think, okay, well, I'll just kind of go along with it until this point and then no further. But don't give sin even a hint. I'm not a big fan of, of pickles, and if I ever go get a burger and there's pickles on it, I'll take the, the pickles off, but even after I do so, even just with a little bit of pickle juice remaining on the burger, it just ruins the whole burger, okay? Even a hint of the pickle juice ruins it. Sin wants you to think that just a little hint is okay, but it's not. Commit to fighting Sin. Don't allow it to take an inch. There will be times where we, where we fail and the Lord's, we have the Lord's grace to lift us up. But I think the Lord honors it in our life when we commit to fighting sin, when we declare, even declare it out loud or write it down, that we are going to fight it. And while we fight, expect God to give us peace. Think about God's word, dwell on it, meditate on it. Expect that God will help you to put sin to death and give you his peace.
The good news of the gospel of Jesus gives us such great hope. It gives us hope that in Christ, we will not face eternal death, but rather we are now raised with Jesus and we will be with him in glory. So we have future hope of eternal life with Jesus. And we're secure in that. But when Jesus is, in, is our life, we also have current hope. Hope that we are, we are hidden with Christ in sin, death, the world. The enemy has no hold on us. And while we do struggle with sin and we'll continue to have times where we give in to sin, times where we will be tempted to pursue things that are below, things that are of earth, we have hope because we know that Jesus, who is our life, has conquered sin, conquered death. Through Christ living in us, we don't have to give in to sin and shame. It doesn't rule us. We have hope because in Christ we can put sins to death, cast them aside. We have hope because we can walk like people who are alive. We can live like we are alive, not weighed down by sin and shame. If you have trusted in Jesus this morning, you are raised in him. You are hidden with him. He is in you. You are in him. He is in you helping you to live like you are alive, helping you to fight sin. Jesus is your life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your salvation that you offer through sending your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your great love for us that while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus to die for us. Help us, God, through being united in your Son, through the power of your Holy Spirit, to live in this new life that you have given us. Help us to set our minds on things above, to rest in the arms of Jesus, knowing we are secure, and to not walk like we used to. Help us to cast sin aside, to put it to death through the power of your Son working in us. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen.